Welcome back to the program. Father Lewis is going to lead us off with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, on this uh, occasion of the recording of our Monday morning broadcast, um, the Feast of the Archangels, we invoke the intercession of Saints Michael, Gabriel, and Ar- uh, Raphael, the Archangels, to, uh, to bring our prayers to you, to guide us in our way, and to show us your way and help us to discern your will in all things. We ask their intercession, we ask for your blessings upon us, and all these we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father. Yeah, uh, boy, so much to talk about. So you you started right at the great beginning. We're recording this on the Feast of the Mighty Archangels. I love it. Um, Though I think it's actually funny, um, when you think about the, the choirs of angels, do you know where the archangels are? Second to last. Second to lowest, <laughs> yeah. right? They're they're lower than the principalities and the dominions and the virtues and the uh, the dominations and the powers and. But Michael gets to be launched above them all, right? <laughs> but you think of archangels, you think that's at the top. Well, Michael, yeah, but the other archangels, they're just. Second to last, second, uh-huh. second class, second class, <laughs> eighth class, <laughs> eighth class angels, right? The nine choirs of angels. I uh, so much to say about that. And then uh, this is a little test, Father. Between today and we're recording this on Monday, and I get I overflow to Tuesday for a reason. October the fourth. That's uh-huh. a hint mm-hmm. to see if you know how many of the, these great feast days can you name. So today, uh, September 29th, Feast of the Archangels, and tomorrow, September 30th, is St. Jerome, yep, uh, priest and doctor of the church. And then October 1st is St. Therese Lisieux. Mm-hmm. October 2nd, which this year we don't get to celebrate because it's a Sunday, but is the Guardian Angels. Uh, Monday is blank, I believe, and Tuesday is St. Francis of Assisi, yes. October 4th. Yeah, if the third is something, I'm not sure what it is. Right. I'm not sure either. But do yeah. you know? Do you know the uh, like? Why was uh? Do you know why October fourth was chosen for Saint Francis? I don't. It was the day he died. Okay. But they have this celebration. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was his death. It, they didn't celebrate his like death. It wasn't obviously not an assumption, but it was like something like his transition or translation or. Um, I'll look it up. Okay. I'll look it up during a break. What the name of his like the the celebration of his deaths because he actually died, I believe, in the night, going from the third into the fourth. Oh, okay. So you know they they put the feast on the fourth, but they celebrate his dying, his translation. Maybe that's what the word was, um, going from this world to 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 God um, on the evening of the third into the fourth. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, talk about heavy hitters. Uh-huh. Let's go. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I want to I want to uh, start with the archangels, and um, there's a theme that I see um, connected to the archangels that maybe we don't always appreciate about angels, and that is the concept of accompaniment, mm-hmm. the idea of walking with. And when I say that. Um, I'll let you think about it and just say, why did I use that phrase when you say, when you talk about archangels and accompaniment? Where do you see that happening, or why would I say that? Well, uh, what immediately came to mind for me is St. Raphael, because the whole story of his involvement in the book of Tobit is he is literally accompanying Tobias on his journey to go find and meet and marry his wife. And then he comes back with them and accompanies the family for Tobit's healing from blindness, and, and he's telling them who he is, and... I mean, he physically, like, literally accompanied him on that journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Gabriel, you know, uh, accompanied, in a certain extent, you know, the Annunciations to Joseph and then Mary, and well, to Zechariah, too, you know, accompanying them, I suppose, in the Annunciations of these uh, significant moments that are about to happen. Um, St. Michael doesn't really come to mind, although he's accompanying all the angels in the great and glorious battle against Satan. So mm-hmm. not just accompanying them, but leading them into battle. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I just I think that idea of, um, like, we think of angels as messengers and maybe as protectors. Mm-hmm. But when you think about messengers and protectors, to realize that we need messages and protection day to day. Right. Right. So folks, you're listening to this, and I want you to know that the angels are a sign of God's daily accompaniment of you in your life, protecting you and speaking messages to you. I'm not sure how many Catholics think of the living God communicating to them in the details of their daily life. 
Yeah. I think that's a great sadness. Yeah, I think so too. In fact, I just I, I preached on some aspect of that this morning for the morning mass at St. Mary about, you know, this is a feast of the archangels, which among other things is an invitation for us to just be more, more mindful of the reality of the spiritual realm, the power of the spiritual realm, and and the and therefore the due and proper reverence uh, that that is our that should be our response. And it's a great sorrow, and, and not just sorrow, but detriment, I think, to our salvation if we don't treat that with, uh, with awe and trembling, as we should, because we can become uh, desensitized, maybe, to the idea of the spiritual realm, or, or even worse, become some, some base kind of fantasy world fit for children to pretend with, but not for mature adults. And, yep. um, and that's a, there's real danger in that. Yeah, so speak of danger, dangers that come at us, right? Um, my daughter Ariana, she's in the middle of her training before she heads off to Guatemala for her missionary year, mm-hmm. and um, they're camping out in North Carolina, so that they're about to hit the storm, right? Yeah. So they've got the front edge of the terrible hurricane, yeah. and um, she sent a text a couple nights ago, there's a bear in our camp. What? <laughs> There's a bear in their campsite because they're camping out in the uh-huh. woods as part of their getting ready for the rigors of being on mission. Uh-huh. And they're also doing mission, uh, missionary work, short-term mission work while they're there in the like boonies of North Carolina. She sent a video last night. Here's a bear walking past them. <laughs> I'm oh, like, wow. what is my daughter doing? <laughs> what what have I done? So talk about that sense of um, praying for protection against these uh, forces, right? That would array against you. We don't normally think of there being bears in our lives, right? Right? Bears that would attack our lives, but. Realize it or not, there's spirit. There's way worse than a bear. A bear, right? Mm-hmm. There, there are spiritual forces that are coming against us directly in invisible ways, mm-hmm. through through the flesh, but also through the world. Mm-hmm. The the devil is at work attempting to slash and and terrorize your your life and your family's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that was another point I raised in my homily this morning was. It's a quote that I borrowed from a movie from the 90s called The Usual Suspects. It's a great quote. He says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true because if we have no fear of Satan, we have no regard for sin or hell because, you know, Satan's not real, therefore hell's not real, and therefore we're more easily tempted to just do what we want without fear of the consequences. And uh, and therein lies the danger. But, um, you know, and St. Peter writes in his first letter, I think, you know, the devil is prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's maybe a difficult image for us in the United States to get because we don't have wild lions around. But bears we do, so we could translate that slightly different, and we hopefully will get a, a more ferocious and real image of, of the reality of Satan, what Satan's up to. Yeah, I if you folks listened on, on Mondays, a couple of Mondays ago, I interviewed the priest, I think I told you this, the mm-hmm. priest that is the pastor up at the Sacred Heart radio station that's in Kodiak, Alaska. Oh, wow. Kodiak Island, and they have the Kodiak bear, uh-huh. which is like, I guess, the largest bear in the world, even yeah. larger than polar bears. Yeah. And they talk about not bear attacks, but bear maulings oh, my on gosh, the yeah. island. Yeah. And he takes walks in the middle of the night, like four in the morning where it's pitch dark. And I'm like, are you serious, brother? <laughs> he's like, trust in the Lord. Come on. I'm not going to live in fear. And I'm like... All right, Father, you know, God bless you. Yeah. You got tremendous trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that in some ways really speaks to it. Um, I, when I sign my emails, right? So I have a few go to um, ways of signing off on emails. They don't even say letters anymore because who writes a letter, <laughs> right? But an email. Do you have a preferred way of ending your emails? I say, God bless. I want to, you know, yeah. bless people as I'm. Signing off. Here's a test. Do you know the proper way of addressing a bishop or other church official that holds a high position when you're ending the letter? No. It's sincerely yours in Christ. Oh, wow. I didn't know there was a protocol for that. Yeah, there is. Sincerely yours in Christ. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I learned that. I learned that back in 1993 when I was writing every bishop to the United States on behalf of Mother Teresa. Oh, wow. Is that flexing or what? (laughs) That's a flex right there. Now, you might want to know, why was I writing every bishop in the United States in 1993? Do you want to know? 
To, uh, no, I, don't, I do want to know. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. So uh, I was working for Evangelization 2000, okay. and so it's a worldwide effort. And I was in charge of North America and the Caribbean, and we would, we um, we were working through the Vatican, but also working with other initiatives, specifically with Mother Teresa, on her initiative to link every priest in the world with a religious sister, a nun, who would offer their prayers and sacrifices and sufferings on behalf of the holiness of the priest. Oh, wow. Now, how cool is that? That's really awesome. Right? So they called it, it was Veronica's Prayer for Priests initiative. And so when Mother Teresa wants something, she gets it. Yep. (laughs) So it was, I am, uh, I'm wanting to, I need the lists of priests so that I can bring um, my sister, all the sisters that we're getting names for, to connect them. So every sister would be connected to a priest, including her. Wow. Now you wonder who was her. Who's the lucky one ever? Yeah. <laughs> so there's actually a kind of a famous story here that um, the number two in charge uh, of the missionaries of charity was Sister Nirmala. Do you mm-hmm. remember that name? I do. So the two of them, you know, very, very close. And so they they kind of had an arm wrestling match over who would get to have John Paul II as the one that they would offer for, and who would get Father Tom Forrest. Okay. Now, Father Tom Forrest was the head of Evangelization 2000, Okay. the one I, I reported to. And so the priest who married me was Father Tom Forrest. Okay. So uh, that's how close he was to Mother Teresa. Wow. So she, Mother Teresa, got him. Oh, wow. Sister Namarla got John Paul II. Okay. So... That talk about you, you feel spiritual pressure, uh-huh. right? Anyway, so I would say, you know, dear Reverend, you know, whatever the appropriate way of re- referencing the the bishop, and then I would say, oh, by the way, I'm writing on behalf of Mother Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I got a lot of responses. I bet I got lots of lists of priests' names um, back in the '90s. Anyway, so that's <laughs> sincerely yours in Christ is how you end it. Um, so there are two ways that I end my emails. One is to say. Uh, peace and all good things. Mm-hmm. Okay, peace and all good things. Where does that come from? St. Francis. Okay. Yeah. St. Francis of Assisi, Pax et Bonum, mm-hmm. or Pace e Bene. Mm-hmm. Pace e Bene in Italian, peace and all good things. And I love that. It's just a beautiful way to end an email. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. And the other way I do it is respectfully. Okay. Respectfully, comma, boom. Mm-hmm. And I've started to see that one show up. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've started to see respectfully show up in other people's emails. I'm not claiming (laughs) I'm the source in the whole world of entering emails with respectfully, but it has, it's starting to spread a little bit, right? Well, the tipping point, we'll wait for the tipping point where that becomes sort of a a standard thing. Um, All of that to say, yesterday for the first time, I was writing someone. And I was writing, it was two, two leaders, two church leaders, and I was writing them about, like, how do we wrestle with this situation? And I ended it um, with respectfully, but before that, I said, Jesus, you take over, period. Uh, I abandon myself to you, take care of everything. And I put that in front of it. Um, and it was my way of saying Let's trust this to God. Mm-hmm. Let's let's put this into the hands of Jesus, and just to to kind of say that out loud in that form, in the form of a prayer, is I think a um, it's more powerful than saying let's trust Jesus with this. Right. But instead, just literally putting it into the form of a prayer, I think is really powerful. Yeah. You're not just saying, let's trust Jesus with this, but you're invoking the divine name. You're actually speaking with Jesus in that moment. Yeah. I, if I saw that, it would, uh, it would draw my mind immediately to like, okay, this isn't just, you know, this isn't just some common effort here. I mean, we're, this, we're, we're appealing to the Lord himself to direct this mission. So if any of you want to have influence on Father Lewis, end it with <laughs> a prayer, like a little prayerful, uh, exor- exhortative type of uh, statement, and you'll get your wish. You'll get your wish. All right, we're up against a break, Father. When we come back, I want to talk about um, some new prayer efforts happening at St. Mary's. All right. Pretty exciting. Uh-huh. Ha- beginning tonight, folks. And it's going to be exactly the, th- the theme that you just said, Father. It's a big difference between reading about it and actually doing it. So back in a minute with more Sound Insight.
Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran with Father Jeff Lewis on this uh, Monday. Uh, it's October 3rd, Father. And as, uh, as we are launching into this, this is the fall. And in the fall, a lot of parishes start launching more efforts to grow in faith. Mm-hmm. So tonight at St. Mary's, yeehaw, let's go. <laughs> we are starting a prayer meeting. Yay, I'm very excited about yeah. that, Father. And, and the theme is on prayer, like going deeper into prayer. And you, it's one of those same realities where um, the concept of you can understand what prayer is, you can read about it all day long, but it's so important to have the experience of it if you're really going to like let it soak in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys are doing this. Sadly, I, I myself won't be there. I'll be, where will I be at that time? I'll be somewhere over the Atlantic, I think. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're heading my, off to your uh, uh, my, pilgrimage. My, my, my pilgrimage, yeah. So Tell I, us about that. Yeah. You know, uh, so I'm I'm leading a pilgrimage with the you know I partner with a, a company based out of Indianapolis. They're called Tecton Ministries. That's a Greek word for works, I guess, like artisan works. Anyway, um, I planned this um, uh, uh, this pilgrimage with them two years ago, and we were supposed to go last year, but I didn't know what different countries were going to do with their different COVID protocols. So I said, let's just peg it and postpone it for a year. So here it is. And um, and we'll be starting in Lourdes in the south of France. We'll be there for the first three days. And and then we'll go to certain sites across the north of Spain, including, um, including the birthplace of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And we'll end our Spanish portion in Compostela. And we'll be at Santiago. And then for the last three days, we'll be down in Fatima. And then we fly out, on, uh, out of uh, Lisbon on October 14th. And that's uh, geographically; those are like not easy areas to access. Like right. Lords is really in the middle of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. the Blessed Mother is like, if you want to access the graces of this, you're gonna have to work for it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean it's really nowhere. Fortunately, there's a puddle jumper from Paris to to Poe Airport these days. But before there was air travel, oh oh my goodness, it would be terrible. Trains to get all to. the way around, Winding you gotta all go the way all the way around to get yeah. to it. And because I remember we did that, we went um, with um, we did that when I was living in Rome. We did the Lord's Santiago de Compostela, Fatima, that trip. Oh wow! So now I have to ask: when you get to Fatima, one of the traditions is that last quarter mile you can do on your knees. Are you in aware Fatima of that? or Compostela? Fatima. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's like a big, there's like a full meal deal one where you can do it from like the last mile, and I'm like, oh, okay, wow. I'm not insane, right? <laughs> so, or I'm maybe just too weak, but <laughs> they uh, Fatima, it's really inspiring. There's a um, a walkway, um, like this cement walkway. It's like it, it's different than the bricks around it, mm-hmm. and it's when you enter the plaza, you can on your knees make your way all the way up to the main altar. Um, which is on the left-hand side in front of the main church area, right okay. where the where the grotto is, okay. um, in Fatima. And um, so I was a very zealous, holy young <laughs> seminarian, full of fervor and devotion. And I love our Blessed Mother. I love Our Lady of Fatima. Let's go. Got on my knees. Of course, I had on my extra padded jeans uh-huh. because, you know, I'm not crazy. <laughs> and I started in and... You know, it's a quarter mile. It took me about twenty seconds to realize what a mistake. Am I crazy? <laughs> yeah. What am I doing? Uh-huh. And I mean, I it only it only took me like a handful of kneeling steps to realize uh, this. You don't go very fast. Mm-mm. You don't go very far, and this hurts. Yeah. So I'm doing this. And every once in a while, I just have to stop and kind of like bow down and make pretend I'm praying. And I'm like, I got to give my knees a little break here. <laughs> and I'm I'm doing this. And after a little while, 
uh, someone says, excuse me. And on my left, this lady who's twice my age, because I'm like 23, 24. This lady, I swear, she's at least 50 years old. She has her uh, dress hiked up, bare knees, goes boom, 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 right past me. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that was so humbling. Uh-huh. It was so humbling. Um, and I just kept at it, just kept at it with my jeans on. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, it was so interesting. Um, when I got towards the end, the very end, um, it was like a breakthrough. And you, you'll read sometimes about saints who talk about, I can't suffer anymore because suffering for me is just joy. Mm-hmm. Have you, and they always read that. And you know what I'm talking about? I think St. Teresa of Avila says that. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, my problem is I can't suffer. Yeah. Right. All, all suffering is just pure joy for me. And I'm thinking, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. That was the closest glimpse I ever got to it. Because when I got to the end, there was this like supernatural breakthrough, however you want to call it, where it was like this pain is still felt, but I'm transported and I just sense God in a way that somehow was connected to the willingness to undertake that penance, to walk the penitential path. It cleared away a blockage, and now all of a sudden there's this breakthrough, but there's still the, the necessity of the painful walk. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, that is mysterious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it make any sense? It does. I haven't done that, but I've done the, I think on the program in a previous episode, we talked about the Santa Scala in Rome, which are the holy steps, the steps of the Praetorium that Jesus mounted. Yeah, and that's came Little back League. Down. That's Little League. I know, Little League compared to this, but that's the only time I've ever had to like do some kind of penitential thing on my knees because the tradition is you go up those steps on your knees. Right. And um, so I didn't even I didn't come as close to that epiphany as you did, but I can relate what you're talking about because there was some instance of that for me. So Father, maybe there's a little call here. Uh-huh. A little, little give yourself you got to give yourself at least a half an hour. Yeah, oh, I bet. probably a, a lot mile. longer. Yeah, to go a quarter mile on your knees. Well, you know, as priest and shepherd, I'm called to remain with my people. <laughs> Many of them will be 80 years old or so. Oh my gosh, that was great. I like that. That was good. <laughs> Oh my goodness! All right, so uh, are you are you looking forward to um, what are you looking forward to in each of these sites? Um, I'm looking forward to Lords. Lords, I've been to twice already, and it is um, it still remains my favorite place on earth. Both times I've been there, it's just an incredibly it's I don't know, it's just a wonderful place. I could go on and on across about across the bridge. What's that? Not on the other side of the bridge. On the side with the church, yes, yeah, across uh, where there's the field and all that. Uh, yeah, yeah, with a with a field in the uh, uh, the grotto is not on the side where you have just rows after rows of trinket sellers. Oh yeah, yeah, not that side. No, the actual shrine site. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know the baths. Although Bishop Daly says that at the baths they don't they don't have people bathe anymore. It's a matter of washing your hands, which he really, he, yeah, which he says it was. I guess they started that in COVID. I don't know, or maybe I don't know who know what what the reasoning was, but he says that's actually more in keeping with what Our Lady told Saint Bernadette because Saint, uh, Our Lady said, "Wash in the water, not bathe in the water." So he finds this actually more. Oh, that's accurate. so interesting! I never heard that. Yeah, but uh, the tradition had been that you go into the inner room one at a time. There's four volunteers there. Have you ever done it? Yeah. Okay. So and you you're you stripped down naked now, and they put a towel around you, and you right. go into this freezing cold water. Yeah. And you go in with a prayer intention in your heart is the idea some for some healing for yourself or someone else, and then you come out. Of course, the towel is next to useless. It's really just for modesty because they use the same towel for everybody, so it's soaking wet. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come out and redress, and you're done. But they, I guess they don't do that anymore. So um, I'll miss that. But um, I mean, still the experience of being able to wash in the Lord's water. Is uh, is I, I always look forward to Lords, in Spain and Portugal. I've never been to either of those countries, so I'm just excited for that new opportunity. Mm-hmm. But I've seen pictures and videos of pilgrimages ending in Santiago, yeah. And um, to be a part of that, if only for a mass, even if we're not doing the pilgrimage, I'm looking forward to that. That's a beautiful. I mean, the, the church is is gorgeous, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of gorgeous churches. Will you be able to be there? When they do the swinging of the incense, I hope so. Yeah. I, I I specifically requested that when we started putting this pilgrimage package together, mm-hmm. and I chose these dates also for a particular reason. One, the last time I was in Lords was also in the fall, and it was just a beautiful time of year. 
but we'll still be in Lourdes on October 7th, which is the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, mm -hmm. which is a huge feast day in Lourdes. And then we'll be in Fatima on October 13th. Oh, really? The Miracle of the Sun, yeah. Wow. Which I'd found out from our tour guide that actually all the, the great liturgy things for the Miracle of the Sun is the evening before. So we are, and there's a whole, like any pilgrims here, this is what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And so I don't have to guess or make up what we're going to be doing or where we're going to mass. It's we're all part of the same celebration. So we'll be there that day too. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Wow, yeah. what a gift. Yeah. So nice. Some 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 tricky intentional planning to make that come about. And that's your first trip to Fatima. Yep. Oh yep. wow. Yep. Oh that's God bless you. Yeah. That is so cool. Well, I um so we're talking all about journeying and um we started in on the on the concept of you're going to miss the prayer meeting that starts mm -hmm. tonight. So, but I do want to invite folks to come out. Um we're beginning at 6:30 in the evening and we're starting with songs of a song and prayer. And that'll go for about a half an hour. And then I'm going to give a talk. And this is the start of six weeks of talks, all on prayer, all on going deeper into the prayer life. And so tonight I'm going to talk about the prayer of heaven. What's the prayer of heaven? Praise and worship. So I'm going to give a theology of praise and worship. And you're going to be surprised at what the scriptures and our tradition teach us about the meaning, the importance, and the power of praise and worship for your life. And the goal we have, not only for tonight, but for each of the nights, is that as we explore the meaning of prayer, the meaning of power and importance of these different kinds of prayer, that you'll, guess what, be invited to enter into them, that the grace of those prayers will be released within you so that you'll be able to enhance your own life of faith. Yeah. So prayer is so important. You don't just talk about it, but you've got to do it, experience it, because it's, it's a way of expressing that sense of encounter with God. Yeah, well, it's gonna it's gonna be awesome. I I'm sure, and um, you know, I'll miss the first. I think I said uh, two for sure, maybe three. I can't remember what I had going on. The I think it was the first two. I think first you're, you're going to be I'd there be on, on the seventeenth. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. and so um, yeah, you invited me to be there in a particular way. Well, to be a participant, but you know, confessions available. Yeah, and um, maybe I can uh, wrangle uh, Father Mike to join us as well. We'll we'll see what he's. That would be awesome, on. right? Yeah. So it, there are going to be a variety of opportunities for kinds of prayer, yeah. right? So um, we'll have again songs and prayer between six thirty and seven. The talk will go from about seven to eight. Then we'll have discussion and then a time of fellowship done by eight thirty. And there will be um, trained uh, Catholics there to pray with people who have a need for prayer, and that's again it's just one of those things, Father, where. So many Catholics don't realize that the living God desires to enter into people's lives at their point of need mm -hmm. and brings spiritual power to set them free, mm -hmm. to heal them, to heal wounds, to uh, uh, loose bondage, to, to do so many of these things, right? Obviously, most beautifully through the sacraments, yeah. right? Like confession, um, but through other means as well, through the body, Christ is at work. And so to give Catholics the experience of that is, I just think, so critical. And, you know, it costs a lot, right? We're charging a ton of money. A ton of money. Come ton. with your credit cards. Please. You're going to need at least a couple of credit cards to get in because it's free. It's free. No cost. Come on out. Great teachings, times of fellowship, prayer, discussion, going deeper in your faith. St. Mary's. Center of renewal here. Just sorry. <laughs> said it out loud, Father. Let's go. At, uh, and then in a couple of weeks, we'll talk later about what's happening a couple of weeks later, yeah. where I'll be um, doing a Friday night and Saturday as part of your year of healing. Yeah, yeah. As the, part of your year of healing. Yeah, the parish mission that uh, for the month of October that um, that you'll lead us in. Yeah. Yeah, talking about a very light topic: parenting right. the digital generation. Oof. Goodness, <laughs> God bless us. So. Yeah. Lots happening, uh, lots happening in these days. Um, Father, when, when you think about, I wanted to talk today about intentionality and growth in faith, because that's what, we're being intentional. You're being intentional and saying, Tom, I'm in, let's go, let's do this. We have to help our people grow in faith. I'm like, yeah, Father, it's my passion, it's my mission, let's help Catholics to come alive in faith by being more intentional about living their faith. Yeah. Um, when I think about that, I think about these different dimensions 
of formation that we can pursue intentionally. And we've we've had this conversation before, but I want to link it to mm-hmm. the feast days. Okay. So we have theological formation, we have um, spiritual formation, we have apostolic formation, or the formation to go out, mm-hmm. and we have community, the mm-hmm. context of formation. And so I think of these great saints, right? And mm-hmm. guess what? We have theological formation. What's tomorrow's feast day? Saint Jerome, mm-hmm. right? Oh, mm-hmm. this is sorry. This is a Thursday. Right? Yeah. So th- then we have spiritual formation. What's the next day? Saint Therese. Saint Therese, the little flower in her little way. Then we have apostolic formation, and we have Saint Francis. Mm-hmm. So what are we looking at? Let's go. And then we have this community, the context of formation, and we've got the great angels. Yeah. So this idea that we're not in this alone, we're in this together. So how is that? Yeah. Is that pretty cool? <laughs> yeah. So let's take a look together at these four different kinds of formation. And I'd like to just ask you questions and talk a bit about um, what Catholics who are listening to this program can do uh, to be intentional about pursuing theological formation, the formation of the mind, spiritual formation, the formation of the heart, apostolic formation, excuse me, the formation to go out and be salt, light, and leaven in the world, and community formation. How do we support, encourage, and hold each other accountable? Excited to do that, Father? Yeah. We'll do that in a minute. Uh, We're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. I'm here with Father Jeff Lewis, the pastor of St. Mary's in Spokane Valley. So, Father, here we are. Um, We are planted by God in this moment. Each of us has a call. And we have talked how many times together with Father Nagel on this program about the fact that whether we choose it or not, we are facing a battle that has come to us. Mm -hmm. And the call that we have to stand up, speak out, and push back in this world just to maintain our Catholic faith is becoming ever more difficult. And therefore, the need to be intentional, determined, courageous in pursuing Christ and the living out of our faith as Catholic Christian disciples of Christ is just so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you want to say to that before I just dive into the forms of mission, uh, forms of being intentional? Yeah, and um, you know, there's a tie-in with with this theme here, and and uh, you know, not just tie-in, but providential. I'm sure that that the the prayer series that you're beginning is happening at the same time because. We'll be able to talk more about this, but in many regards, I think that that spiritual component, the spiritual formation, is uh, is not paramount, as in it's more important than the rest, but maybe primary in so far as it's it's got to be first. Because if we don't receive from God, then we're not going to have the strength or the nourishment or the wherewithal uh, to to do the pushback, stand up, speak out. Um, God's got to be not just a part of it, but the center of it. And and we have daily concourse with God in prayer. And especially if we can get to regular sa- the the sacraments regularly, uh, mass each day if we can, confession on a regular basis, be mindful of our baptismal promises, the strengthening of the Holy Spirit and the confirmation, and uh, regardless of you know whatever our vocation is, holy matrimony that's a sacrament, holy orders that's a sacrament. How are we living out our sacraments of service? So the the spiritual comes first, and so far as. If we don't have that, I think we the rest is just, it's our own efforts and therefore doomed to fail. Amen, Father. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, the analogy that I like is uh, you have a lot of folks who are attempting to clean their house with their vacuum cleaners, but they're not plugged in or turned on, mm-hmm. right? You got your vacuum cleaner out, you're rolling it over the carpet, but nothing's happening mm-hmm. because you're not plugged in. And you're not turned on. Right. And I think that too often we Catholics are going through Catholic motions, like the motion of moving around that vacuum cleaner, but we're not plugged into God's power and we're not turned on. And if people are saying to us, I have no idea what you're talking about, then it's probably likely that you're not plugged in and turned on. Right. People who have experienced that sense of the power of God's Holy Spirit moving in them and through them and moving them... You get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I know what it's like to not operate in the power of God's Holy Spirit. I know what it is to operate in the power of God's Holy Spirit with that anointing. And if we're not praying 
ain't no power. Mm-hmm. There's no power of God live vitally, making it a vital relationship, right? right? The personal relationship with Jesus has to be vital. It has to lead us to flourish. And I think we have not emphasized enough what you just said, Father. So thank you and amen. Yeah, yeah. Plug in and turn on. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're talking about. Okay, so mm-hmm. being intentional, determined, courageous, and being disciples. Well, what does that mean, Tom? Don't just throw these things out there, but not saying it. Father, I'm looking to you. You got to help us out. All right. Start with the St. Jerome, theological formation. Mm-hmm. So when people think of theological formation, does that mean they have to get a degree? I mean, what are we talking about here? When you think about the ordinary folks listening to this program, if they're thinking, how do I form my mind in a way that's going to help me grow in faith, what does that look like, and why is that important? Yeah, I mean, theological formation, or, or maybe what a lot of folks have bemoaned over the course of the last <clears throat> 30 or 40 years is a catechetical, form, catechetical formation, or lack thereof. The basic, you know, you know, what is Catholicism 101? You know, if we're going to be able to speak out or push back what, what the world is trying to tell us, um, you know, and we don't even know where we stand as Catholics or as a church. I mean, there's plenty of public figures right now that are trying to tell us that that the church has always believed, for example, that that uh, we have a right to choose or there's a right to abortion. And if you don't know actually that that's false and why it's false and who says it's false and where that comes from from tradition, then it's so much it's so much easier for you to be bowled over by the by that tidal wave of falsehood. And so um, that's the theological formation. You know, I just came before this pre-record. I came from my school where in one of my classes, they're doing exercises where they're actually looking up Bible verses, book, chapter, and verse. That's a skill that we need to learn. Not many Catholics, sadly, can do that. I, I tried to put that exercise to my youth group toward the end of last year. I just gave everyone a Bible and said, all right, look up this book, Bible, and verse. People are like, I don't know where this is. I'm like, okay. Here it is. You know, if it's a, if it's Matthew, don't look in the first pages of the Bible for crying out loud. New Testament's later. So just even that's I mean that's how simple we got to begin. I think because we've I think a lot of us have lost that. I don't even know where my Bible is. I don't even know how to look up passages. I don't know. I don't even know why that's important. And that's just the Bible. And then there's what does the church teach about fill in the blank? A handy resource that should be on everybody's bookcase right next to the Bible should be the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's the compendium of everything succinctly stated and beautifully stated uh, about what we believe and, I think, why we believe it. And I think that's the beginning. You don't have to have a degree in theology about that, but you know, one of the greatest tip- tips I learned in, when I was in uh, business school was it's not necessary that you memorize everything, but know what resources you have and need to be able to get the answer when you need it. Mm-hmm. And if you have the Bible and the Catechism, and you know how to use those two resources, you're supremely well-equipped, I think, to be able to grow in your theological formation. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, in, in honor of St. Jerome, he would say amen from mm-hmm. heaven. Right, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. That's his famous line. Think about that. So let's say that again, Father. What does that mean? Ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. I don't get it. Tell yeah. me. If Jesus is the Word of God, which He is, Word of God, you know, personified and, and made incarnate, and the scriptures are the Word of God spoken to us in human language. If we don't know what the Bible's about, then we certainly don't know who the person of Jesus is. And the Old Testament forecasts a lot of that and foreshadows unfolding bit by bit. And then Jesus comes and pieces it all together and says, all that you saw, I am now he. And now that you know who I am, now you know who you are and what you can do. And if we don't even know the Bible, then we can't really know who Jesus is. Yeah, I love that. Like, How are we supposed to say that Jesus is... Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. That means he's the one who gets to determine how I live, Mm -hmm. and he's the one who's going to save and rescue me when I fall short. So if that's true, there's something about the fact that he knows me and I know him. Okay, so now we're talking about a personal relationship. So how am I supposed to deepen that relationship? Well, I need to get to know more about him. Scripture. Right. Scripture is going to teach me so much about him, but also encounter him. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, it, reading the scriptures, I encounter Jesus. Yeah, I don't think Catholics get that. Yeah. I, well, not just Catholics. I'm not picking on Catholics, but that idea that Aquinas says it in the Catechism. Mm-hmm. Reading the scriptures, you encounter the heart of Christ. 
the beating heart of Christ. That means his love for you, that personal love for you. Brothers and sisters, if you don't know Jesus and you want to get to know him better, go to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Not only will you learn more about him by his interactions with people, but you'll actually encounter him. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, by analogy, how you'll encounter him in the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> amen. Yeah. Um, I think for me, for me personally, one of the most, uh, after the Mass, after the sacraments, the most powerful encounters I have with Jesus in prayer is if I'm praying Lexio Divina, that means divine reading, praying with Scripture, not just Bible study, but praying with Scripture, in the church where the Blessed Sacrament is, with the crucifix there. Because you can see in graphic form what Jesus did for love of you and me in his sacrifice of self on the cross. And there in the tabernacle, Jesus truly, really, and substantially is present to us in living form in the Eucharist. And there we are praying with the Word of God, who is Jesus. All those three, that's like the trifecta of heavenly glory. <laughs> I was going to say. You can't go wrong. You, you go, and you have a relic of the true cross in your pocket, oh. and you've got... <laughs> <laughs> you got Mother Teresa praying for you yeah. by name. <laughs> Let's go. Right, yeah. I think that's awesome, Father. Um, so theological formation, folks, don't get overwhelmed by the term theological or the formation of the mind, but realize that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall... Set you free. Set you free. And, and that's the sadness, is that... We have a lot of Catholics who are bound up in their thinking. Mm -hmm. We're bound up in our thinking about life, about a relationship, about how are things going to happen or unfold. Come close to Christ, right? Romans 12, you take on the mind of Christ, and all of a sudden, you become free. You become free to, to have a sense of peace, to have a sense of trust that the Lord has providential care over things that, um, Jesus, you take over, mm -hmm. right? That whole sense of trust becomes alive um, through theological formation. Now, is it going to take some effort? It does. It will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Effort, time, attention. Um, that's why I love classical methodology, mm -hmm. right? Because it's saying, <clears throat> begin with grammar, which is memory. You're memorizing, right? You're learning um, the the rules of the road, right? So in just using memory, you're getting a chance to um, get the basics down so then you can get to the next level, which is logic. Mm -hmm. And so in logic, you're learning how to drive on those roads. Mm -hmm. Now, wait a minute. No, yeah, that's taking you off the road. That's a fallacy. So stay on the road. And so it's, learn it's learning how to operate now within the road that the grammar has set up. So that's using your intellect. And then you move into rhetoric, which is about persuading. So now the intellect and the will are interacting. How do you then take the things that you've learned and speak about them in a way that can persuade? So I love that methodology because it's learning how to learn. It's learning how to think. And it's learning to love learning. Yeah. That's the gift of a classical methodology. And you don't have to take on all of that in theological learning. But if you can form your kids in that methodology, I think there's a really distinct gift there. Yeah, yeah. In my humble opinion. <laughs> All right, we're up against a break, Father. When we come back, more with Father Jeff Lewis and intentional disciple making. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Karn with Father Jeff Lewis, the pastor of St. Mary in Spokane Valley. Father uh, Nagel was not able to make it with us today for the pre-record. He had a funeral uh, to attend to, and so uh, he had to step away. So, Father, we are talking about um, formation and being intentional. Uh, we mentioned formation of the mind in honor of St. Jerome. Mm -hmm. Let's move forward a day, and Saturday is the Feast of... St. Therese Lisieux, or Little Flower. The Little Flower. Saint, I think our official name is St. Therese of the Child Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Known by mm. many names. St. <laughs> Therese of the Child Jesus and uh -oh. of the Holy Face. Oh, okay. Do you remember that? No, I didn't. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, so St. Therese of the Child Jesus and of the Holy Face. She had a great devotion, along with her whole convent, to the holy face of Jesus. Okay. And that's the face that is crowned with thorns and, mm -hmm. and bleeding. And it's, the, it's the face of the Veronica. passion. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Veronica Vale uh, uh, face of Jesus. So her convent had that as a great devotion, um, the, the devotion to the holy face of Jesus. Um, but why would we look to her to be someone who will help us understand spiritual formation? Well, I mean, her, she's such a, a spiritual figure. Her... 
her one contribution, one significant contribution to um, to to Christian learning is uh, largely spiritual nature. That's her spiritual autobiography, A Story of the Soul, and, and, and that you know, you know, led to her being declared a doctor of the church. So she's recognized insofar as she's a doctor of the church as a spiritual master, and uh, it's just appropriate that she would be a, a helpful and, and very um, uh, holy guide for us in our own growth in spirituality, I think. So there's, there's a famous phrase associated with one of her like foundational spiritual principles. It's called the little way. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the, what the little way is? Like if I, you want me to summarize it and then you can? Yeah. It's about uh, don't do great things, but do little things with great love. Yeah. And so what is that little way all about? So a little way is, you know, <clears throat> so I, she had this, the, the desire to, to go out and be a martyr, to go out and evangelize. I think she specified places like China and India. She want, that's where her, where her heart and her zeal and her, her longing was for. And yet her life was to be a, a cloistered, almost completely unheard of nun in the Carmelite order in this small out-of-the-way town of Lisieux. And so how could she... How could she, she, this is what she agonized over, how could she lead a life of that supreme kind of holiness, but in the, in the little things that pertain to her little life, little quiet life in the convent? So she poured all of her heart for love of Jesus into washing the, the pans, into uh, greeting people at the door as a porter, or whatever, whatever it may be. Even in her final suffering, suffering ter- tuberculosis and pretty bedridden, how can she just offer any waking moment or every little cough or whatever it was that she suffered somehow is offered for the glory of God with, with her whole heart and soul? So it's every little thing that we can do, say, or think is, with, is packed with the intentionality that even this little thing is somehow, I believe, I'm going to offer it up for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Yeah, amen. I love that. I think that there's a traditional way of talking about sanctification of daily life. It's um, you become a saint by fulfilling the duties of your state in life. Yeah. You familiar with that phrase? I am, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think that, that that's super applicable to like our listeners. They're like, how can I become a saint? Mm-hmm. And the little way is a beautiful, I think, example of that. Yeah. Like, folks, you're listening and you're thinking, well... I'm an empty nester. I'm a widow. I'm listening to the program. What can I contribute to the holiness of the church? And how am I supposed to become a saint? Mm-hmm. Well, live well what is right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Live that well. Put great love into that. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that, that that should be consoling. You don't you don't think that great things are simply measurable in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of God, right? It's the widow's might. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the widow's might, Father? It was the last two pennies that the widow in Scripture donated to the poor box, uh, and Jesus praised her, even though all the these other figures, the Pharisees, were dumping in lump sums from their surplus, but she gave all that she had. Yeah, yeah. So that I think that we can give all that we have. We can give all that we have. We can do a great thing by doing the little things that are in our hands with great love. Mm-hmm. And I think, Father, that that's part of the whole, um, how does someone do something with great love unless they're coming into contact with the one who is love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that goes back to what I mentioned earlier, is that if if I don't have a regular, i.e. daily prayer life, um, where I'm, I'm that regularly tapping into... Did you just say I.E.? I did. Of your... so that was... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the Latin is, so I just use it the letters. It oh, okay. is. That is. Okay. Yeah, um, the daily prayer life. Um, so I, I need to tap into the source of all love and all grace, and that's God, of course. That's plugging in the vacuum so I can actually use it. I need that. I need to be able to receive that I can then give. There's um, uh, some folks that I, I, I uh, disciple with, and uh, we use a great image to kind of get this, and there's a tale of two seas. And this first sea is the Sea of Galilee. It receives from the headwaters of the Jordan, but not just to keep it, but to give it out. And so the geography of the Holy Land is it receives from the headwaters of the Jordan, then it gives out, and then the majority of the length of the River Jordan is south of the Sea of Galilee. Whereas if all I do is receive, then I become the Dead Sea, because it, it's the lowest point on earth. All it does is receive, and it's dead, because it doesn't give. 
Conversely, if all I do is give, I'm quick, that tank is quickly going to get empty, and then I've got nothing left to give. Mm-hmm. And now what, what, who I would and should be giving to, they're, they're getting nothing, and so they're not being fueled by anything. Yep. So we got to have that balance, and that balance begins with, I, for me, I know, for every one of us, we got to begin with God, the source and summit of all things, and so receive from Him, and then we can give. Amen. All right, Father, we're getting close to the end here, so I need you to quickly go through, what does it mean to be apostolic formation, St. Francis of Assisi, let's go, mm-hmm. salt, light, leaven, what does that mean? So apostolic formation, or in priesthood, we call it uh, pastoral formation, so it's, it's, uh, it's how are we formed to put these things that we have received now it ties in with the spiritual formation, how we can put it to work. Okay, so uh, how can we be salt, light, and leaven? The little way, for example, maybe all I've got to give is a smile at the cashier at the grocery store, but who knows, but that little smile that you gave, but it was from a place of honesty and genuineness and, and genuine care for that person, and, and then they can pay it forward. Now their day is that much more brightened. But, but the big things, too, I'm going to take what I've received and I need to, I'm going to put it to work and, um, and not just let it be wasted. And whatever those works are, but as you said earlier, what is God placing in front of us right now? That's, what's, that's what God wants us to focus on. This is what, what God wants us to focus on. The present moment is what our, is in our care. Amen. I love that. So, uh, and, and to believe that, brothers and sisters, that when you allow Christ to come uh, to, to pour into you, it's Christ himself who takes shape in you so that he'll actually shine through you in the world. Yeah. But I know one of the big things that, that we need to be able to do that is, is support, mm-hmm. encouragement. Mm-hmm. and accountability. Yeah. And that's where our brothers and sisters come in. We need angels around mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. to be able to do that. So talk a little bit about the uh, value importance and and what it would look like for folks listening to find that kind of community. Yeah. You know, it helps to I, I a scripture verse I I use for this is song, is a Proverbs 27:17, iron sharpens iron. As iron sharpens iron, so one man can sharpen another. If I surround myself with people who have the same worldview, the same sense of mission, or at least similar, and um, if I'm out there and, you know, like a sharpened blade being used, it's going to get dinged and, and, and blunted. And so I go back to the shop and then, you know, you can take steel against steel and it, and, or iron against iron and you can sharpen that blade again. So as I get out in the world and I'm just getting dinged by the opposition as I'm trying to do my work, I come back to a place of peace and rebuilding and refreshment with other folks who share this mission with me, and we can help sharpen each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a great image I use to, to help me to be mindful of the importance of community. Well, and this is where I think about, for instance, the prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. So one of the gifts that we had when we were meeting over the summer was that folks who are very intentional about living their faith, they're, they're dedicated Catholics, they were so encouraged by being able to fellowship. In fact, you know, we said we'd start at 6.30. We often didn't start till 6.50 because mm-hmm. folks were just like, it's so good to be able to get together with other people and talk about our faith and be together because of our faith, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, uh, I, I love that we're meeting tonight at 6.30, folks, for prayer and for song, and then we'll um, talk begins around 7. But if you come, enjoy the prayer, enjoy the singing, or enjoy some fellowship, and then come in when you feel comfortable to, to enter into the prayer and singing. Talk on, uh, on um, the heavenly prayer of praise and worship, and then um, stay afterwards for small group discussion, large group discussion, and more fellowship. You will find it so encouraging. Yeah. You'll find yourself supported. And you know what? You might find a little bit of accountability to mm-hmm. say, I need to keep coming back. I need to do this. So where's that happening again, Father? St. Mary Catholic Parish here in Spokane, Washington. Let's Spokane go. Spokane Valley, Washington, excuse yep. me. <laughs> Exit 291B. Come on down. Come on down. I, I've been saying that on the air. Come on down, Sullivan. Take a right on to 4th, and you'll bump into it about a quarter mile, half a mile down the road. Yeah. And there it is at 4th and Adams. And so it'll be awesome to have you there. We're meeting in the church. Father Lewis will be there in two weeks to hear your confession. We might have a priest there tonight to hear the confessions. We'll see. Um, Father, thanks so much for walking with me through this program. Uh, and we did it without you even asking what was on the agenda. That was yeah, awesome. I just uh, roll with it, you know. No, you say, I Jesus, trust, I trust in you. Yeah. Oh, trust, in the, <laughs> trust in the Lord. All right. God bless you all. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.